In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, on God, Amen. Let us read some verses from Second Peter, chapter 1, starting from verse 3. As His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, through the knowledge of Him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. But also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted, even to blindness, and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure, for if you do these things, you will never stumble. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Do not love the world, nor the things which are in the world. I think this passage explained to us very beautifully the road to holiness, how to live a holy life. St. Peter started in verse 3 and said, Everything we need to live a holy life, a godly life, is given to us. As he said in verse 3, As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Everything actually you need to live a holy, godly, righteous life is granted to you. So we don't have any excuse. If God asked me why you did not live a holy life, I have no excuse. But this giving to us through channels, there is one main channel through which I will receive everything pertaining to life and goodness. This channel is the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. As he said, through the knowledge, after he said, his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us by glory and virtue. Of course, Him can refer to God the Father because God the Father called us, but also can refer to the Son. So through the knowledge of God, when we know God, then we will be holy. But what is the knowledge of God? The knowledge of God is to be 
intimate, to be one with God. Even the Bible speaks about the intimate relationship and he used knows. Adam knows his wife Eve. It is knowledge through unity, through becoming one with the other. When we become one with God, then His holiness be my holiness. His righteousness be my righteousness. All His virtues, all His attributes become mine. Not because I attend these virtues, but because I am hiding in Him. If I am poor and get married to a very rich person, I'll be rich through Him. So He said, who called us by glory and virtue, He is glorified, He is exalted, He is virtuous. Then when we are united with Him, we also will be glorified and virtuous. Here we received the pledge, but there are great and exceedingly great promises when we go to the eternal life. Because here on earth we are like betrothed, but the real intimacy with God, the real union with God will happen in the wedding of the Lamb of God in the second life. That's why he said, by which have been given to you exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that's in the world through lust. When we depart from this world and we depart from the corruption of this world and the lusts of the world, in his second coming when we are united with him, St. Peter used a term that actually make the theologian debate what does this mean. I'm not going to get into the debate, but what I'm trying to say, if this theological term, partakers of the divine nature, make the people debate about it, this means it's beyond our comprehension. So this promise that God instructed us is beyond our comprehension. That's why some people interpret one way, some people interpret other way, but it is a very, very, as, as St. Peter said, great and precious promises. So now we know the road to holiness. Already we are given everything we needed, but we need to be in the knowledge of God. Let me just skip to verse 8. He mentioned, you need to add to your faith many things. Then he said, for if these things that we need to add to our faith are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Which means, to know the Lord Jesus Christ, you need to add to your faith. And when you add to your faith, and these things, he mentioned eight things, we'll discuss them. When you have these eight things in you, you will not be barren or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Again, to be holy, this holiness is attained through the knowledge. And the knowledge of Jesus Christ, you need to add to your faith. And as long as you are adding to your faith these eight things, then you will never be barren or unfruitful 
in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Which means you will be fruitful, you will be holy, your conduct will be holy, and you will be righteous, you will be godly. What if I don't have these things? I'm just a Christian, but I'm not adding to my faith how I will look like. Verse 9, he said, For he who lacks these things is short-sighted. Why short-sighted? When we lack these things, because I am focusing on here and now, I'm not focusing on the eternal life. I am not actually trying to prepare myself for the eternal future. Here on earth, we have pension, retirement plan, life insurance. We plan for our life here on earth. But who plans for his eternal life? Are you short-sighted, focusing only on here and now? Or you know that we are sojourners here and we are preparing for the life to come? Also, he said, short-sighted even to the blindness. He's not only short-sighted, myop, but he is blind. And has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. I forgot what is the incarnation. I forgot the crucifixion. I forgot the salvation. I forgot why I chose to be Christian. I forgot. Christian means I am abiding in Christ in order to be saved because he paid the penalty of my sins and he cleansed me from my sins. But if I'm indulged in the sins and lusts of this world, then I have forgotten not on the level of the memory only, I forgot that my sins are cleansed, but on the level of practice. Like a child, his mom washed his clothes, and immediately after he put on the clothes, he made them dirty. He forgot that his clothes was washed and cleansed. Many times you do the same. After repenting, confession, communion, we again fall in the same sins again, and we defile our holiness. In verses 3, he told about the calling, who called you, who called us by glory and virtue. So that called you, and he chose you, he elected you. Then in verse 10, he said, Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. Again, these eight things that we need to add to our faith, if we keep doing them diligently, then I will make my calling and my election sure. I will never stumble. I will never stumble. And then he said in verse 11 something more beautiful. You know, here in order to apply to a college or to graduate school, you need to have certain score in your SAT or GPA or GRE. If your score is very, very high, then the acceptance to these colleges will be very easy. If your score is borderline, then you will be concerned whether they're going to accept you or not. If your score is very low, then you will not be accepted. So when your score is high, 
you are sure that this college will never reject you. You will be accepted. St. Peter said something like this. For so, when actually you keep adding to your faith, an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly. What he means by abundantly? As if your score is very high. Like this door, you can actually bring any chair or any table because it's, it's a wide door. But if the door is so tight in width and actually in, in height, you will struggle to maybe to bring a, a chair in. Then Peter has in mind the entrance to the eternal life, the kingdom of Christ. Is it abundantly? Is the door is widely open for us? Or we don't know. That's why he said, for so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Maybe somebody will ask, are we going to be saved by our works or by the blood of Jesus? Yes, by blood of Jesus. But your works is the acceptance of his salvation. If you don't accept his salvation or accept it marginally, then the entrance will be not wide, not abundantly wide. But when you add to your faith, this means you are accepting this salvation by adding to your faith every day and living a holy life. Let us go back to these eight points. What we need to add to our faith, our Christian, our faith is the creed. We believe in one God, God, the Father, so we know our faith. But is this enough? Just to know your faith, is this enough? You need to add. So going back to verse 5, he said, but also for this very reason, which reason to enter into the kingdom of heaven? For this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith. So before we speaking what we need to add, I want you to focus in the word diligence. Diligence. To what extent you are diligent in your spiritual struggle? Some people just yeah, they struggle, but struggle conveniently. <laughs> you laughed because there is no convenient struggle. <laughs> struggle means you struggle, you fight. No one in the war fighting without zeal, without diligence, without dedication, without commitment. That's why St. Peter said, giving all diligence, all commitment, all zeal, you need to struggle. St. Paul said, you did not resist until bloodshed. Oh, to that extent you want me to resist against sin? Yes, to bloodshed. Joseph accepted to be in prison in order not to defile his body. To what extent? This diligence of Joseph, of Moses, of Joshua, of Peter, we need to have this diligence. Then he said, you need to add. What you need to add to our faith? Add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness brother kindness, and to brother kindness, the love. So these are eight things. 
And if we understand the logic behind this, it will be easy to remember them. I don't want you to memorize them, but understand. Once you understand, because St. Peter is not just mentioning virtues of Allah. No, there is logic behind it. If you understand the logic, then it will be easy to remember them. Number one, number one requirement to be holy is to have faith. And faith in the Bible comes with two meanings. One meaning, the creed. What do you believe? And the other meaning, the trust. When I tell you, have faith in God, means do you trust God? Have faith in God. The creed. You need to have sound doctrine because doctrine shape your life, your conduct. Many people say, is it big deal if I believe this or I believe that? As long as I'm Christian and I believe in Jesus Christ and in the Holy Trinity and in the Bible, خلاص, I'm okay. No, you're not okay. There is a book called Bible, and the Bible actually has so many doctrines in it. Why St. Paul, when the people misunderstood justification, and they thought that justification by the works of the law? Why St. Paul said, not a big deal, it's okay. This will not upset God if they offer some sacrifices or if they are circumcised. No. Faith actually will shape your conduct. If you want to be holy, then you need to have the right doctrine, the right dogmas. Faith also trust. You need to trust in God, trust in His grace, trust in His acceptance, trust in His word, trust in His promises. Because Satan may cast doubt in your heart. How would I know? that these promises are true. How would I know that I will be partaker of the divine nature? How would I know? Just these are words, but you need to have trust. The first step in these eight steps, to have faith. Faith means sound doctrine and also trust in God, in His grace, in His help, in His forgiveness, in His acceptance, in His promises. Trust in God, in everything. And then we need to add, every moment, every day, we need to add. Number one, what we need to add to our faith? Virtue. Virtue summarizes the word works, because faith without works is dead. We need to add works to our faith. I cannot just say I'm Christian and then I see needy people and I turn a deaf ear to them. That's not faith. That's why on the last day the Lord will ask us, I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me drink, etc. Here, God, when He will judge us, will judge us about the fruits of faith which our words. Do you remember John the Baptist when people came to be baptized? He told them, you need to have fruits pertaining to your repentance. Don't say that Abraham is our father. That's faith. We are the children of God. 
or the descendant of Abraham. But as the Lord Jesus said, if you are the children of Abraham, do the works of Abraham. Abraham had faith in God. Because of his faith, he was willing to offer Isaac as a sacrifice. So you need to add virtue. Then the first point is faith, second is virtue. To virtue, he said, you need to add knowledge. What knowledge means here? Means discernment. Because practicing any virtue or any work must be done in a wise way with discernment. For example, helping the poor. Maybe I'm helping somebody and getting him money and he's using this money in gambling or drugs. Then actually, while I'm doing good work, charitable deed, I'm giving him money, but I'm hurting him. That's why with virtue, I need to have knowledge. St. Anthony the Great, he said, any virtue you practice in your life without discernment can turn into vice. Can turn into vice. Even Satan can tell you, I want you to read 20 chapters a day from the scripture. I want you to pray the whole Agbay every day. And then you say, nothing wrong with this. You will start praying the whole Agbay every day and reading 20 chapters. And because the limitation of your time, you are going to compromise other things. Maybe your time with the family, your health, your work, etc. Then you will struggle. And then you, you will say, oh, that's because of prayer and because of the Bible. Then you start quitting prayer and start quitting the Bible. It is not the prayer or the Bible that made you struggle. It is the lack of discernment. So any virtue, you need actually to practice it with this discernment. Add to the virtue knowledge. Number one, the foundation is faith. Then you need to add to your faith virtue to virtue knowledge. What else I need to add to the virtue? Self-control. Because sometimes I want to do the right thing, but I have no control over myself. You don't want to be glutton or to indulge food, but because lack of self-control, you fall into indulgence and glutton. You want to live pure, but because lack of self-control, you fall into many bad habits. You want to quit pornography, but lack of self-control make you fall in it. That's why we need to have self-control. You need to add every day, diligently, to your faith and virtue, self-control. In the book of Proverbs, we read that a man without self-control, like a city without wall, so the thieves will come and rob the city, turn it into ruins. As if the book of Proverbs is telling us self-control is like a wall to protect you, to keep the vice outside and the virtues inside. But when we don't have self-control, 
all the vices will attack us. Self-control is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. The last fruit of the Holy Spirit from the nine is self-control. Also, the practice that will help you in self-control is fasting. Because fasting, you are exercising and empowering your will to be able to say no to the desires of the flesh. So I want to eat. I'm going to say no. I'm abstaining until 3 p.m. But I, I, I want to drink. No. Wait until 3 p.m. But if once the thought of eating comes to my mind, I eat. Once the thought of drinking comes to my mind, I drink. Then I'm not going to grow in self-control. Because the purpose of fasting is to exercise your self-control. And when you be able to say no to the desire of food, then any other desire, lustful desires, now you are trained to be able to know to your body, to the needs of your body. You are able to say, no, I'm not going to do this. I fear God. I want to live a holy life. So he said, add to your faith virtue, and to the virtue, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control. And self-control, what do I need to add to it? Maybe I control myself for one week, two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, like in the great fast, eight weeks. So sometimes after I discipline myself for three, four weeks in the great fast, I abstain every day until 3 p.m. I eat just little things and I control the quality and the quantity of food intake. Then after three weeks, four weeks, and I said, I cannot do it anymore. It's too long. Why you are fasting eight weeks? Then I start to give in to indulgence or I'm tempted even to break my whole fast. That's why another thing I need to add it every day in my spiritual struggle is perseverance. Perseverance. Add to self-control perseverance. The Lord said, he who persevere to the end will be saved. Perseverance means, yes, you are struggling. You acknowledge that you are struggling. It is not an easy way. The gate is narrow and the road is difficult, but you are struggling and you will continue to struggle. Like a person, for example, is taking chemotherapy. Chemotherapy is very painful, but the person knows, especially if it's working well, he knows we, he will be healed. So he may struggle for eight weeks, 10 weeks, until he finish all the course of the chemotherapy. He persevered to the end. Why he persevered to the end? In order to be healed. If he quit in the middle, so although he struggled for some days or few weeks, but maybe he will never be healed. That's why he needs to continue. If a student persevered until the third year in college, 
and then he quit. He will never get his degree. That's why we need to persevere to the end. But what will help perseverance? Perseverance is an external virtue. Perseverance should become from internal virtue. Many, many verses in the Bible, there is an external side of it, an internal side of it. For example, meekness and humbleness. What's the difference between meekness and humbleness? Meekness is internally. This person is meek in himself. How this meekness is exposed or externalized through humbleness. So the people can see humble acts, but because I am meek. If I'm doing humble acts from outside, but from inside I'm not meek, then that's hypocrisy. In the same way, perseverance, maybe I can push myself, but from within, I'm like a hurricane or volcano. Just, I, I want to rebel against everything. And actually, we need some youth when they push themselves, but from inside, they are very, very angry, very upset. Why I'm doing this? They rebel. Especially when parents are controlling their children. From outside, they persevere. But once they leave their house, they rebel. They go to the other extreme. Because this perseverance was external only. That's why what I need to add to perseverance internally, godliness. What's godliness? Godliness is the fear of God. When we say this person is godly, means he feels the presence of God. And that's why he walks in the fear of God. Many people, when they uh, come and complain about anger, so I ask them this question. If Abuna is visiting you in your house, and then your children or your spouse made something that usually make you lose your temper and become so angry, are you going to lose your temper and become angry? Most of the time they say no. Why? Because Abuna is here. I cannot do it in the presence of a woman. So I tell them, if you feel the presence of God all the time, again, you will not lose your temper. You will not be angry. So the problem here in Mihna, we don't feel the presence of God. We don't have the fear of God. Fear not, I am terrified, but I revere him. I respect him. He's watching over me. I cannot do this because God watch over me. Like Joseph, Joseph said what? How can I commit this great wickedness and sin against God? From these words, you understand, he felt the presence of God. How can I violate and unfold in such sin? God is here, God is watching over me. There is a story in the paradise of fathers I think it happened with Amba Aghasan, if I remember correctly, that a young lady wanted to seduce him. So he wanted to teach her a lesson. So he told her, let us go 
to the market, market like downtown, and do the act there. So she, she told him, how come in front of all the people who can see us doing this? So he told her, if you are afraid from the people to see us doing this, aren't you afraid from God who is watching and seeing us everywhere? And these words put the fear of God in her heart and she left him and went her way. When we feel the presence of God with us, that's godliness. This will encourage me to persevere because I know God is watching over me. I want you to understand the logic. You need to add to faith, virtue, to virtue, knowledge, to knowledge, self-control, to self-control, perseverance, to perseverance, godliness. Then number seven, what I need to add to godliness or do these six points. In treating addiction, they found the most effective thing is support groups. More effective than even any medication or anything else. Because in support group, I'll get two things, at least. Number one, support, encouragement. And number two, accountability. When I'm accountable and I have the support, this will help me to overcome the addiction. In Protestant churches who do not believe in the sacrament of confession, but now in the Protestant church, they have accountability groups. Because they found the accountability and the support groups help person to improve his conduct. For example, if I have anger problem, I go to the group and tell them I lose my temper and I am violent. I yell and scream at my spouse and my children and and. So they encourage him and other people share their experience, how they control their anger and encourage him. When he spent one week without anger, they give him a talk. Two weeks, three weeks, etc. In the Orthodox Church, God gave us this from a very, very, very long time through the sacrament of confession. Because with Abuna, I will get the encouragement, I'll get the support, and also the accountability. While I'm not exposing myself in front of 12 or 15 other persons, it's between me and Abuna and God, and it's confidential. But also, we say in the Divine Liturgy, He made us unto Himself an assembled people. The assembly of the believer. And the definition of the church is the assembly of the believer. Because when we are together, we support one another. And we encourage one another. Especially when we deal with each other in a kind way. This atmosphere is a healthy atmosphere. For me to repent and to be transformed into the likeness of God. That's what St. Peter said, brotherly kindness, brotherly kindness. 
for example, if I stumbled, I'm expecting from my brothers here in the church to support me and to show me kindness. Even if the church is going to discipline me, it is done in a kind way. This kindness is very, very important in my spiritual struggle. St. Peter used the word brotherly to remind us that we are family, the family of God. This is my family. Before baptism, I was individual. Individual means non-dividable. But now I am not individual. I'm not undividable. I am actually become a member, member in one body, the body of Christ. And through being a member in the body of Christ, it's like your body. When one organ is sick, the whole body actually supports this sick organ. Sending more blood supply, sending white blood cells, antibiotics, you know, engines. You feel the whole body is fighting for this one organ. That's why you feel your whole body is tired or you are feverish. Because the whole body here is fighting together in order to get rid of this illness. That is a church. That is the assembly of believer. But when we make the atmosphere of the church pathological, or I can use a more severe word, toxic atmosphere, then the person will not be growing, will not be transforming in, in this atmosphere. That's why we need to add to our godliness, brotherly kindness, to be kind with each other. Kindness. And this virtue actually is disappearing even in Christian communities. We lost to be kind to each other. Now we are very harsh, we are insensitive. We use harsh words, harsh comments. I don't know why you are not kind to each other anymore. We lost this compassion toward one another. Maybe because we are growing in a selfish country, country that actually focus on self-centeredness, me first. That's why we don't put others before me. It's about me. Everything is centered around me. And we lost brotherly kindness. Many divorce cases because lack of brotherly kindness, because the selfish attitude, me first, me first. I don't put the other before myself. And as I told you, perseverance is the external and godliness is the internal. Maybe I'm kind from outside, but I'm showing off. So I'm hypocrite. I come and hug you, and say sweetest word and behind your back I'm making fun of you and laughing about you. So what is the internal virtue that actually will be externally kindness? I'm sure you know it. It is love. When I have this love in my heart, the real love, the Arabi love. Arabi love is characteristic by being unconditional, limitless, sacrificial, and willful. Willful means it is not emotion. It is a function of the will. It's a decision. 
I make. It's a choice I make. It's not just feeling, it's not emotions. So unconditional, sacrificial, limitless, and willful. When I have this Arabian it will be actually expressed outsidely in the brotherly kindness. When I add these things every day, every day to my faith, I'll be holy. I will get into the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. As he said, if these things are yours, these eight things are yours and abound, which means every day you need to add. You will neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And as I told you, these eight things, you don't need to memorize them. If you understand them, there's a logic behind it. That's what we need. Number one, you need to have faith, which is the sound doctrine and the confidence in God. To faith, you need to add virtue, the good works. For the good works, you need to add knowledge, discernment, wisdom. And to knowledge, you need to add self-control, to exercise. And to self-control, you need to add perseverance, to be patient to the end. And to perseverance, you need to add godliness, because godliness is the internal virtue that will make you persevere. For perseverance, we need this support system, brotherly kindness, to be kind to one another. But brotherly kindness should come from what? From a happy love, from love inside me. I hope all of us, while we are called to this life of holiness, we need to do all diligence, all diligence, as St. Peter said, in order actually to add to our faith these things. Let us just remember them together. We need to add to our faith what? Hmm. Virtue. To virtue? Knowledge. To knowledge? Self-control. Self-control? Perseverance. Perseverance? To godliness? Brotherly kindness and to brotherly kindness? Don't memorize them, understand them. Okay. Glory be to God forever and ever. Amen.